want to welcome everyone to the Ready for the Draft podcast. I'm your host, Greg Schutz. This is episode 24 of the 2022 podcast series, where we take a look at the draft-eligible prospects to get you ready for the NFL draft, which is one week away, April 28th, primetime, coming from Las Vegas, Nevada. Because we're so close to the NFL draft, six podcasts in six days, positional breakdown, I take a look at my mock draft, have all seven rounds put together, and we're going position by position talking about where we see each of the prospects coming off the board. Who's going to come off the board on day one, day two, day three of the draft. And we've already talked about the quarterbacks and running backs, and last podcast was all about the receivers and tight ends. Now it's time to get into the trenches. The tackles, the guards, the centers. We are getting in and taking a look at that offensive line. These are the guys that protect your skill position players. And if you don't have an offensive line, then really you're not going to be very productive. You're not going to be able to give your quarterback time to make his reads and be able to deliver uh, a catchable football for those receivers down the field. Also need to be able to open up those running lanes for the running backs as well. So let's take a look at the draft class for all three of these positions. We're going to start off with the offensive tackles. I think if you look historically over the last five years, we saw teams starving for offensive line help, uh, specifically at that offensive tackle position. And if you go back to 2017, just 15 tackles taken in that draft. And then you move on to 2018 and just 19, followed up with 2019, 19 again. 2020, again, we're getting desperate. So six offensive tackles taken in round one, really a top-heavy offensive line draft there uh, with, again, six of those tackles going in round number one. When you think about that draft, that was Andrew Thomas, Jedrick Wills, Makai Becton, Tristan Wirfs, Austin Jackson, Isaiah Wilson. Some home runs there in in the middle of round one. Some some picks that just haven't really panned out to this point. But in 2020, we saw an increase to 21 offensive tackles, and then 2021 hits. You know, this obviously is the draft with Rashawn Slater and Panay Sewell at the top, but we saw 28 tackles taken in round number one. So in terms of the overall draft class, obviously this was a, a strong offensive tackle class because not only did you have Sewell and Slater at the top, but you also had Alex Leatherwood, Christian Derrissaw, Tevin Jenkins, Liam Eichenberg, Walker Little, Jackson Carmen. Samuel Cosme, Dylan Radins, Jalen Mayfield, Brady Christensen, Spencer Brown, all of these guys taken in the first three rounds of the draft. All of these guys made an impact for their team in 2021 in some way, shape, or form. So you know that the teams are desperate to, to find offensive line help. And so when you look at this offensive tackle class, I think there is a chance to really get some bang for your buck at the very top of that draft and then I think as you get in there is some depth in the middle rounds of this draft class now I've got 20 offensive tackles coming off the board now these are guys that I I see actually playing tackle at the next level if we include the guards you know the the tackles that I I see moving inside to guard they transition to the guards uh, then you're talking about another seven of those so really you're talking about 27 offensive tackles so we're very much in line with that 2021 draft. So when we look at this draft class, obviously at the very top, we know that there's that that's really the, the main strength. You're talking about uh, Iki Aquanu, Evan Neal, Charles Cross, right? And so you have those three, and there's really a drop-off after that. 
And so I, I think these three guys have a great shot at being top 10 picks. You know, I think it'd be really you'd be hard pressed to see Charles Cross fall out of the top ten. I know the Giants like him. Uh, if I'm Seattle and I'm sitting there at nine, Dwayne Brown, Brandon Shell, neither one of them are signed. So if I'm Seattle and I'm sitting there, I, I could go with the quarterback, but we do have Drew Locke and Geno Smith under contract. Um, you know, we could potentially go with uh, with a corner. Uh, we we did lose. Uh, DJ Reed, so there is a good chance that that could happen. But man, you know, if you don't get that offensive line shored up, then you're not going to give whoever's under center uh, much of a fighting chance, uh, especially there in that NFC West when you're having to deal with the likes of, of Aaron Donald and uh, and Nick Bosa and company. Um, so that, that's really one of the big focuses, um, I, I think, is. Seattle getting out of there with an offensive tackle. Right now, their starters are Stone Forsyth on the left side and Jake Curran on the right side. So obviously, you are going to need to get some help there. I, I mentioned there was a drop-off, so then that goes to, to Trevor Penning after that. But Penning, I think, is going to be a, a first-rounder. I think that the, the Saints, they, they made that trade to get above the Chargers. The Chargers also need an offensive tackle. They needed right tackle desperately. And if you look at the Saints... They need O-line help as well because, you know, Teron Armstead um, is no longer there. He's actually in Miami now, so they're hungry for a left tackle, and I think Trevor Penning could potentially be that guy uh, in round number one. And then there's a steep drop-off after him, and, you know, we're going to have a, a conversation about who that number five offensive tackle is going to be. Is it going to be Bernard Raymond? Is it going to be Tyler Smith? Daniel Fa'alele? Um, so... It's kind of an interesting draft because then you get into rounds three and four, and I think there are some guys that could definitely make a difference. And then after that, it kind of drops off again. Um, so there are some different layers here with this this draft class at that offensive tackle position. So let's jump into things, though. And let's start with uh, Evan Neal and, and Iki Aquanu. These are two guys who at one point were talked about as potential number one overall selections by the Jacksonville Jaguars. That wasn't until Cam Robinson received the franchise tag. And I still look at it and I say, uh, you know, to protect your investment, protect Trevor Lawrence, um, you know, drafting either of them still makes a lot of sense because they can kick inside, play guard next to Cam Robinson right now, and then you're not going to franchise him again. You're probably not going to re-sign Cam Robinson to a long-term deal. So then they can kick outside to the left tackle in 2023. So it doesn't seem out of the realm of possibility that they could still pull a rabbit out of their hat and say, hey, we're going with Evan Neal or we're going with Iki Aquanu. But I, I think at the end of the day, when you've got a guy like Aiden uh, Hutchinson sitting there, you need to get an identity on the defense. You need to have a guy that's going to go in there and change the culture. You have Trevor Lawrence on offense. You get Aiden Hutchinson on defense, and those are two of the main building blocks that you can really uh, you know, provide some some leadership and some focus for, for your organization. So I, I don't see either of them coming off the board to Jacksonville, um, but I think it, it, the conversation really starts with Houston. And when I look at this, they obviously, there, there's Laramie Tunsil. When he's healthy, Laramie Tunsil is a Pro Bowl tackle. You know, obviously he got injured, and so you hope that he returns to, to form back in 2020. Um, you know, you have Titus Howard, who could play kick inside to guard, but I'm looking at the guard situation. They, they brought in Al, uh, A.J. Can. They've got Max Sharping as well. Uh, Cedric Abwehi uh, is going to be a kind of a swing tackle along with Charlie Heck. Uh, so you could potentially have Titus Howard 
uh, play your right tackle position, and then potentially draft a guard later on. So th th there's a chance that Houston could pass on an offensive tackle. I think they do need uh, edge rush help for sure. So I, I think Kayvon Thibodeau is going to be in play. They also are in desperate need of a corner. So Ahmad Garner, I mean, come on. You put the sauce in there with, with Lovey Smith. That makes a lot of sense as well. So is there going to be a tackle taken at number three? I just I don't know that that's going to be the case. So then that takes you to the Giants at number five. I think that's really the Jets as well. I think there's that conversation uh, before we get ahead of ourselves and get to the Giants. The Jets, uh, Mackay Becton can't stay on the field. You know I, I think that's one of the things, one of the big concerns right now. Uh, and then you have George Fant at right tackle. How satisfied is Joe Douglas with? the play of George Fant that's going to be a huge question mark uh, but when you look at, at that pass rush uh, you know and Carl Lawson gonna need some help he's coming off of an injury as well Kayvon Thibodeau makes a lot of sense there if he's on the board I think that's probably the route that you go uh, so you know if the Jets could they go tackle sure but I just you know, they, they've already drafted Mekhi Becton, then they drafted Elijah Vera Tucker in round number one. Are they really going to use an offensive tackle three years in a row? We've seen patterns like that happen uh, with some franchises. I just don't see the Jets doing that again this year. Which takes us then to the, to the New York football giants, as Chris Berman calls them. And uh, Andrew Thomas we know is going to be one of the tackles. Uh, this was a, an offensive line that needed to get shored up uh, pretty quickly. So they brought in uh, John Feliciano. There, there's Mark Lewinsky in, in there as well. Uh, you know, I, I believe Max Garcia was also brought in. And so you know, Nate Solder's gone. Matt Parrott is not going to be the answer at right tackle. So you really you need to get a guy that's going to come in there and, and play tackle opposite Andrew Thomas. And for me, my money on, on that is going to be, and I know that there's been some talk right now that they might be interested in, in uh, um, Charles Cross, but my my money really is going to be on Evan Neal. Look, 6'7", 337 pounds out of Alabama. This is a guy who I think, uh, you know, he has tremendous length. The athleticism is off the charts. If you haven't seen the, the box jump, uh, you know, I think it was like a four-foot box jump or something like that for a guy that big. It was absolutely ridiculous. This guy is jacked, um, you know, showed up. You know, looking looking jacked at the combine. Uh, you know, uh, carries that 337 very very well. Uh, but a guy who Brian Dable has ties to Bama. You know, he was the offensive coordinator there in 2017, and so he has those ties. Has you know has a direct line to Nick Saban, and so I, I think that familiarity. If Evan Neal's still on the board there at number five, I think you have to take Evan Neal. Uh, and this is a guy who has the versatility to play inside a guard if you need him to. He can play the right side. He can play the left side. So you have some of that positional versatility. Uh, you know, Andrew Thomas has also played the right side in college. So if you decided you wanted to put Evan Neal at left tackle and move in. Andrew Thomas over to the right side. There is some flexibility there. I think Ikki Aquanu also fits in very well with what the Giants want to do. But I think Evan Neal at the end of the day is going to win out. This is a guy who I think when you look at it, Ikki Aquanu is probably the most physical of the run uh, run blockers there at the tackle position. And Charles Cross is the most is the purest pass protector. But I think when you look at Evan Neal, this guy does both of those really well. This is a guy who's going to drive his man uh, down the field uh, and and look to dump him in, in the run game. You know, I think he can be very physical. He can be a mauler there out on the outside. But then you watch the pass pro. 
and you watch how light on on his feet he is. He locks those arms out. I think he's getting better with the uh, with with his hand placement and, and the hands matching the feet. Uh, I think he's a lot better in terms of of mirroring those defenders so that those secondary moves. Uh, he's able to go ahead and, and wall those off as well. To me, Evan Neal really addresses a, a huge need there for the Giants. Giants could wait until seven and potentially get Charles Cross because you could see Evan Neal come off the board at number five. And then at number six, Carolina could very well take Ikea Kwanu. I mean, that makes a, a ton of sense to me. Um, if they don't go quarterback, I could also see Carolina trading down. And if I'm, I'm New Orleans, I look to trade up and get one of these tackles and that number six spot would make a lot of sense to be able to jump up there especially if if there's a guy that they're interested in and, you know is available and if Iki Aquanu and or Charles Cross was available there I think the Saints it would behoove them to to look to trade with Carolina and ultimately Carolina can then get into the middle of round one where it makes a lot more sense to take a quarterback I just don't see a quarterback being drafted in the top 10 just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me um, but when you're talking about Iki Aquanu, I, I you know look six four, three hundred and ten pounds, has a lot more length than I, I think people were expecting. Um, you know, and so that's why there was talk: could he be a guard? Is he a tackle? He's absolutely a tackle. Thirty four inch arms, ran a four nine three forty at the combine. You watch the footwork, so precise with the footwork, so light on his feet. And man, this guy's going to to punish you. You know, you look at him and you see all the pancake blocks. This guy is absolutely physical at the point of attack, and that's one of the things that's so much fun to watch. The power, the intensity in that ground game. You combine that with this footwork and the lateral agility as a pass protector. That makes him a versatile piece. Could start his career, play at a Pro Bowl level, uh, whether it's at guard or tackle. Um, and if, if I'm the Saints and I'm looking for a left tackle. This could be your spot, like I said, there at number six and Carolina, you know, being able to, to trade back. So I think that makes a lot of sense. I think Iki Aquanu could go as, as high as number three to Houston. Um, I think he could absolutely be, be the Giants pick as well. Uh, number six, you know, if Carolina doesn't go quarterback, then they also need a left tackle uh, because I think Brady Christensen's likely going to kick inside to guard. So that really solidifies that group for whoever is going to be under center. And then Seattle as well. So if ultimately Carolina can't find a, a dance partner, they end up taking a quarterback there at number six, then ultimately the Giants at seven. And then at number eight, you've got Atlanta, who's likely not going to be taking a tackle. So then Seattle sitting there. Um, if that happens, then you're going to see Charles Cross drop. And if that happens, then if I'm Houston sitting there at number 13, I start to get really excited because if I could take either an edge rusher or a corner with a number three overall pick and still get Charles Cross at 13, I mean, you've really addressed two major needs on both sides of the football. I, I think that would be a huge win for Houston if that does happen. But like I said, when you look at Charles Cross, the, the most physically gifted in terms of the pass protector, 6'5", 307, redshirt sophomore. Um, you know, he, he, the footwork, the, the hand placement, the ability to mirror uh, the athleticism this dude, you know, the vertical leap. Uh, is is ridiculous with him, you know. So you know he's got that lower body explosiveness. Um, you didn't see him so much as a as a physical run blocker. You don't really know exactly what you're going to get there because Mississippi State 
you've got Mike Leach's offense, but pass pro, pass pro, pass pro. Ran a 4.9540 at the combine as well, so you know that this guy has that athleticism. And so just so precise with, with his ability to work on the outside. And one of the things that I really love is the awareness with the stunts. I think that's one of the things that really jumped off off the film for me was the ability to take the, take his man and really pass him off to the guard and be able to see that that tackle looping around and being able to get back outside and lining him up and really just stifling any type of a rush that they have there. You also see him being able to do that with the linebackers that are ultimately able to try to, to, to loop around. He's able to take his man, pass him off. To, to the guard and be able to get back outside to those linebackers and he has the lateral agility to get out there and be able to wall off that linebacker not allowing him to get back to the inside and uh, so I, I think that's one of the things some special traits there with the footwork from Charles Cross to me I don't see him getting out of the top 10 it, it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me to see Charles Cross drop uh, but if he does He's not getting past Houston at number 13. I, I can guarantee you that. Uh, you know, If he does, I mean, that'd be a, a huge shocker because then he, he'd fall to number 16 with the New Orleans Saints. And if the Saints can sit there at number 16, not have to move up and still get their left tackle, I think that's really saying something. Um, but Trevor Penning is is the number four offensive tackle. And look, 6'7", 325. I think everybody knows about this dude and uh, the, the attitude, the aggression. Uh, this dude has these judo throws where he just grabs a guy, just throws him to the ground, and then he wants to punish him after that as well. Um, he was a man among boys at, at Northern Iowa, uh, and honestly, it was a highlight reel of him just manhandling his opponents. It was pretty phenomenal to watch. And he, he's the latest, you know, there from Northern Iowa. I don't know what they feed these guys, but, you know, he follows in the footsteps of, of Spencer Brown, you know, who was a third-round pick of the Bills a season ago. Both of these guys very athletic. Very strong as well. Um, Penny just looks to dom physically dominate whoever happens to line up in front of him. And he's just looking to break his soul. I mean, that's the thing that's just absolutely ridiculous. He just drives his man into the ground. He wants to break your spirit. He wants to, to humiliate you. And that violent nature reminds you of those old school offensive linemen who, who are there to just, they're, they're there to punish you. Uh, so strong and violent with his punch to, to the chest of the, of the edge rusher. Uh, really slows those those rushes down. But look, for all the brute force and physicality, surprisingly nimble, plays with a good bend, manages to get good depth in his kick slide as well. Ran a 4.8740 at the combine. And then you also think about, look, you know, 84-inch wingspan, still able to throw up 385 in the bench, 625 in the squad as well. So he has that force um, with that power to be a, a, you know, an offensive tackle um, at the next level. Here's the issue. The hands are still inconsistent. Struggles to main the outside, uh, maintain that outside hand at times. You'll see him struggle with some of the secondaries, uh, secondary moves as well. And that pad level does need to stay down or he's going to get walked back into the quarterback. Um, also needs to do a better job closing down on the space uh, on the rusher so that they can't make that move to get by. But I think he has all the tools and that fire, that, you know, that, that intensity to, to be a starter at the next level. He feels like a right tackle, though. And so that's the thing with the Saints uh, sitting there at number 16. They need a left tackle. And so if they're not going to make a move, if they're not going to end up signing a guy like Dwayne, Dwayne Brown, um, I, I think really the Saints' move is to trade up in the draft. Penning doesn't feel like a natural fit for them because you've got Ryan Ramchek there at right tackle. Uh, 
Penning, could he play left tackle? I, I think he could, but I, I think he's more of a natural right tackle in the league, uh, which would then mean that if, if the Saints do trade up, they did end up getting Charles Cross, then I think the Chargers there, they need a right tackle desperately. Um, poor Storm Norton just got beaten uh, left and right, gave up nine sacks, committed six penalties, according to Pro Football Focus. So th they need an upgrade at that right tackle position. So I, I think the Chargers would love to get their hands on Trevor Penning uh, because after that, it does drop off. I, I think there's a lot of talk. Who's going to be the number five offensive tackle coming off the board? And is that guy going to end up being a first-round pick? And... I just don't see, because there's so much depth at the other positions, I don't see it happening. I don't see another tackle coming off the board in round number one. But I could absolutely see Jacksonville sitting there at number three, uh, 33 overall in round number two, that first pick, taking Bernard Raymond. 6'6", 303, the, the former Austrian exchange student, a guy who you know, took to football later on in, in life and uh, was a 245-pound tight end. Uh, playing there at Central Michigan. Then he, he seeks out Paul Alexander, the legendary offensive line coach, really learns how to play the position there at offensive tackle, bulks up to, to 300 pounds. And uh, you want to talk about a force there for the Chippewas. This was a guy who showed tremendous athleticism. You know, the kick slide was just so smooth. Uh, and you know the, the technique for a guy who hasn't played the position very long was very impressive. You know, I think he's still a little light, so he needs to continue to work on you know, especially that, that lower body because I think he's more of a finesse tackle right now. Um, so there's still a little bit more. I think he's a bit of a work in progress. But I, I think with Jacksonville, they do need to have a plan for life after Cam Robinson. And I think Bernard Raymond could potentially be that guy to end up filling in that gap. Could he kick inside the guard? It's going to be a position that he's not used to. Uh, but I, I think this is a guy, he's already proven that he's a, a quick learner. Really a quick study with, with Paul Alexander, so I think there's a good chance there uh, with Bernard Raymond. I also had him potentially going to the Pittsburgh Steelers there at number 52. Um, you know, I think that would make a lot of sense. Um, you know, the, the Patriots there at 54, possibly. Uh, even Dallas uh, at 56 is, is a, a, a potential landing spot. I think Green Bay uh, might be interested in getting a tackle there at 59. Um, there are a lot of teams that could be interested in getting a tackle. I think the Bears are, are going to be under, you know, looking for a tackle as well. And I actually have the Bears at 39, taking Tyler Smith out of Tulsa, 6'5", 324 pounds. This is a guy who I think is is continuing to improve. Uh, you know, he, he's still very raw, but the physicality is absolutely there. I think this is a guy that can play both tackle and guard. Ran a 5:02:40 at the combine, so he's got really good uh, athleticism. 34-inch arms, and then he's got these 10 and 3 quarter inch hands, these giant meat hooks, which once he grabs a hold of you, he is not letting go. Um, and so I, I think that's one of the things that is going to be interesting uh, there for the Bears. And I think you know what you like about Tyler Smith is he has that, uh, that versatility. I think he has the body type uh, and the mentality to kick inside the guard as well. So depending on what happens with, with Tevin Jenkins um, there at, at tackle and Larry Borum, could you move him inside to guard? I think you could absolutely do that. Um, but the Bears just need to address the the line, both on the outside and along the interior. Um, and so I think Tyler Smith would be a nice piece for them there um, at number 39. And then one more tackle in round number two, and that's Daniel Fa'alele out of Minnesota, the, the mountain of a man. 6'8", 384 pounds. This guy is huge. 
I mean, I think you need to call an Uber just to get around him uh, if you're a pass rusher. And he's surprisingly nimble for a guy his size. I mean, that's one of the things that's so crazy about him is he, he moves pretty darn well, um, which is absolutely ridiculous. Um, and he's, he's, he's a lot of fun to watch because he just engulfs defenders and he, he can manhandle you at the point of attack. He's got such tremendous length, 35 and, 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 and 8-inch arms, 11-inch hands. So again, another guy, you know, once he gets a hold of you, good luck. You know, and and this is the thing. You look at, at these mammoth tackles. You know, Orlando Brown Jr. playing at a Pro Bowl level. Uh, you know, so I, I think when you look at Falele, right tackle makes a lot of sense. That's where he played at, at Minnesota. Uh, the physicality in the running game. He's surprisingly light on, light on his feet in the passing game. And look, the Steelers—they absolutely need offensive line help. I think that's one of the things that you know was really one of their Achilles' heels in uh, 2021. And you look at that tackle position. You've got uh, you know Chuck's a core four. You've got Dan Moore um, on that offensive line. But I, I think really what you get is is you know with Faalele is you know a guy that's going to be physical. You can run behind him with Najee Harris and, and a guy that's going to be able to protect Mitchell Trubisky as well. Um, so I, I think that's a guy that makes a lot of sense for the Steelers. I also had Green Bay uh, as a potential landing spot for Faalele, and, and I think really the, the big reason there is. Now you've got David Bakhtiari on the left side, but who's going to play the right tackle position now that Billy Turner's gone? I think Daniel Fa'alele could absolutely fill in that need and be a guy there for Green Bay. Uh, Green Bay has two picks in round number two, um, and so I'm looking at 53 uh, or potentially uh, there at 59. Either one of those could, could easily be a landing spot for Daniel Fa'alele. Uh, you move on to round number three, and this is where it starts to get interesting with with this draft class. Um, you know, I, I think there's a chance that you could see four or five guys come off the board in round number three. I actually have a couple of them actually falling to round number four, and the first guy that we're going to talk about is Abraham Lucas. This is a guy that I actually really like. Um, you know, he's another one of those guys that played in, in a Mike Leach type of scheme. You know, up there at Washington State. Uh, you know, Nick Rolovich. Uh, was the head coach there and uh, 6'6", 315 pounds, moves very well. That's one of the things that I, I think you know jumps off uh, the film when you watch him play. Uh, the lateral agility um, for a right tackle, you know, is on point. Uh, 49240, uh, tremendous length. A, a guy that is able to keep up with those, those counter moves on the outside. Um, a lot of times I thought he was the best offensive lineman. He actually was on the right side when Andre Dillard played on the left side. And there were, you know, there were times where I was trying to watch Andre Dillard and I was just so impressed with the way that uh, Abraham Lucas was playing. So when I look at Abraham Lucas, if the New York Jets do not take a tackle in the first two rounds of the draft, Abraham Lucas would be a perfect fit for them at 69. A guy that could come in and instantly battle with George Fant for that starting spot at, at uh, you know at right tackle. Lucas, the biggest question mark is what can he do in the running game? How physical can he be? Um, that's really going to be the the main question because they didn't run the ball a ton there at Washington State. Uh, although they, they did run it a little bit more than uh, the uh, Mississippi State. Um, you know, still obviously Max Borgie getting him back into the fold. They wanted to run the ball a little bit more with him, but uh, Abraham Lucas makes a lot of sense there. 
uh, if I were uh, the Jets. And then at 79, the Chargers, if they don't go tackle in round one, they don't have a pick in round two. But I'm looking at Nicholas Petit-Ferrer, 6'5", 316 out of Ohio State. And I think this could be a great landing spot for him. Played left tackle, really both sides there for, for the Buckeyes. Started off at right tackle when they kicked uh, Thayer Munford inside to, to guard. Then they moved Petit Ferrer out there to the left side. They put Dewan Jones in there at right tackle. And I, I thought you saw some, some good footwork at times. You saw some good physicality at times. Um, but the lateral quickness there, especially on that left side, you know, he struggled at times with some of the speed. And so I think the right side, really, he had better tape at right tackle. And I, I think he would definitely be an upgrade over Nor Storm Norton for the Chargers um, at, at right tackle. You move on to round number four. And this is where I've got four guys coming off the board. Um, and the first guy that I've got sitting there is Max Mitchell out of Louisiana. Um, and I'm looking at, at you, Seattle, uh, at 109. I mentioned that Brandon Shell also isn't under contract. So you get a guy like Max Mitchell, 6'6", 297. Uh, if you look at the numbers at the Combine, you know he just he showed that he wasn't the best athlete in the world, ran a 5'3", 240. This guy is... From a technical standpoint, he, he's, he does a really good job um, with that hand placement, with being able to shoot his hands inside, uh, you know, able to really set a, a good edge there in, in the running game as well. Uh, I, I think Max Mitchell could come in there and potentially be a starter for Seattle early on in his career. Uh, you move on from Max Mitchell. I'm looking at Braxton Jones out of Southern Utah, 6'5", 310. He's still pretty raw, but has all the athletic ability in the world. Watch Southern Utah take on San Jose State. And Cade Hall was a double-digit sack guy there for the Spartans in 2020. And he shut him down. You know, and, and when you watch Braxton Jones, he has really good length, uses that to his advantage, very light on his feet. So he's one of those easy movers at that left tackle position. Um, and so when I look at Braxton Jones, obviously he's going to need a little bit of time to continue to develop. But I'm looking at the Kansas City Chiefs sitting there at number 121 overall. And obviously they have a, a Pro Bowl tackle in uh, Orlando Brown. But they're going to need to address that right tackle position. They have Lucas Niang there, but they could potentially potentially use a uh, an upgrade there. I think Braxton Jones has uh, some traits to work with, and so he's one of those guys that could be a swing tackle that could end up challenging for a starting spot on the right side uh, when it's all said and done. I could absolutely see him taking over that starting spot in a couple of years. So then we move on from Braxton Jones. Uh, very next pick, I got the Colts at 122, taking Kellen Deesh uh, there out of Arizona State, 6'7", 301. Another tackle who, he, he's very light on his feet, another easy mover. I compare him a little bit to Samuel Cosme in last year's draft. Very, you know, a finesse tackle, a guy that, you know, you don't really see the physicality. I think he needs to get stronger in that lower half. Um, but he, he is so light on his feet and does a really good job. He, he sits down, keeps that chest up, and is able to mirror uh, the, the man that's in front of him. And I'm looking at the Colts. Obviously, Indianapolis needs uh, some help along that, that line, uh, depending on what happens with Eric Fisher, uh, who, who's still a free agent. Braden Smith is on the opposite side, so you are going to need to get a left tackle. And uh, I think Kellen Deesh is a guy that can come in there and challenge for a starting spot right away. Um, 
you know, again, he may be a year out because he needs to add some strength to that lower body. Uh, so we may see Matt Pryor uh, start the season at left tackle, but I think Kellen is one of those guys who could potentially be starting there before the season is out. Um, so Kellen Deesh also in round four. And then one final guy in round number four, and I mentioned Carolina. If Carolina does not go with the tackle at number six overall, they end up trading down, getting a quarterback. Then at 137, Carolina, that's their first pick after round number one. So if they trade down, they're going to have to get into day two. So they could absolutely get into the conversation of a tackle earlier uh, than, than in, four, in round number four. But we don't have a trade just yet. We don't have any names. Uh, we don't have any picks or anything. So if we're sitting there at 137, then Rasheed Walker out of Penn State is one of those guys. 6'6", 313, uh, the, the junior. There, there is some good tape with him you see some some physicality you see uh, you know good movement skills I thought there was also a lot of bad tape as well I think he struggled you know oversetting at times guys beating him to the inside uh, struggled to really keep that outside hand uh, strong and, and would get beaten off the edge at, at times as well uh, but a guy who can be very physical I think he's a good athlete so Carolina could wait and end up getting a guy in round number four who has that potential to be a starter uh, down the road. So round number five, I only have one offensive tackle coming off the board there. And it's uh, Dari Rosenthal, you know, a guy that started his career there at LSU, ends up transferring to Kentucky, 6'7", 290 pounds. Another guy who you know, needs to continue to add some weight, uh, get into an NFL weight room and, and really bulk up. But uh, a guy who moves really well, ran a 4.8840 at the Combine. Um, not overly ar uh, long arms, uh, but a guy who, again, is, is another one of those easy movers. You look at Cincinnati and uh, that offensive tackle position. You've got, obviously, uh, Jonah Williams and Lyle Collins. But I, I think you need to, uh, to continue to address that position, get that swing tackle in there. I think Hakeem Adeneje is going to end up playing inside a guard back up uh, Ted Karras and Alex Kappa there and then you've got Isaiah Prince who I thought struggled at times so I think this is a guy that can come in there and compete he, he's still a couple of years away because he does need to fill out that frame but I think fifth round is probably good value for him and uh, Cincinnati is able to go ahead and continue to address depth along that offensive line round number six we start getting into some of those FCS prospects and uh, one of the guys for me is Matt Willetsko uh, 6'8", 312 out of North Dakota, a mammoth uh, of, a, of a man, and a guy that loves to get physical at the point of attack. Uh, you know, surprisingly, you know, pretty quick, uh, ran a 50340 at the combine, but when I watched him in the drills, a guy that just seems to lumber, and that's one of the things that worries me a little bit about him and why I don't have him any higher in the draft, but... Uh, when I look at him, I look at the Washington Commanders at 189 overall. And if you talk about the Washington Commanders and, and that offensive line, um, you know they've got Charles Leno. They did bring in Samuel Cosme as well. There's uh, Sadiq Charles. But I, I think continuing to add depth along the offensive line, they could easily end up addressing that line earlier in the draft. Um, but ultimately, I think what's going to end up happening is they, they need to add some depth. And uh, I think Willetsko could potentially end up being a, uh, a swing tackle for them. So we move on from, from Willetsko. We move to Cordell Volson out of North Dakota State. 
you know, this is a guy who has the ability to play both guard and tackle. 6'6", 315, ran a 5'27", 40 at the combine, uh, but did throw up 225, 25 times. So he's got some strength, but, you know, it's one of those things, I, I, I think he lacks some of that lateral agility, likely going to kick inside the guard, but he has the ability to also play tackle. And what I, I look for with him, Carolina is going to continue to address their offensive line. I think they need to add some additional depth pieces. So I actually have him penciled in right now in my mock draft to Carolina at 199 overall. Uh, but I think there are a lot of teams that could use some help up front. Um, Arizona is a team that comes to mind as a team that needs to address some of their depth. Um, you know, Tennessee could even uh, you know entertain the, the, thought, the thought of bringing in uh, Cordell Volson. When you look at them, they've got uh, Lawan and Raidens there at tackle. Uh, at guard, you're talking about Aaron Brewer, Nate Davis, Dylan Raidens um, as options there. So if you have somebody who has the ability to play both guard and tackle, I think that can make a lot of sense. So Tennessee in round number six, uh, 204 overall. I think that's a potential uh, landing spot for Volson as well. Um, but... I actually have Tennessee at 204 taking a different guy, and that's Gene DeLance out of Florida. 6'5", 307, wasn't invited to the combine, but I think one of the things that continued to jump out whenever I watched Florida play was the play of Gene DeLance, and a guy who played on the right side of that offensive line and uh, moved a lot a lot better than I think a lot of people were expecting. And so when I look at him and I look at Tennessee, I mentioned you know, Dylan Radins, he can play right tackle, he can kick inside to guard. If that happens, you have some of that versatility there uh, with, with Raidens that gives you some options. And if you end up getting Gene DeLance, he could potentially hold down that right tackle spot, allowing Dylan Raidens to kick inside the guard. So I think there is that possibility uh, that down the road that Gene DeLance is going to end up being a starter at the next level. And then uh, Obina Easy, uh, TCU, 6'6", 321 pounds, finishing out round number six and with a Bennett easy um, you know another guy he was a Memphis transfer comes there to TCU 6'6", 321 insanely long arms 36 and an eighth inch arms ran a 58 uh, 5'1740 at the combine um, another you know pretty good athlete there on, on the outside and I'm looking at the New England Patriots Trent Brown was re-signed two-year deal uh, you've got Isaiah uh, win there on on the left side as well, but I, I think adding some depth pieces. You know, you're not sure exactly what's going to happen there up front with with the Patriots. I think they're going to need another tackle. Um, you know, potentially be a swing tackle. And when I look at at his game, I look at Obina Easy. I think there's a chance to get in there and uh, be able to hold down that roster spot as that swing tackle there for the Patriots. So then we move on to round number seven. Have two more tackles. And uh, Austin Deculus sitting there at uh, 223 overall, the Cleveland Browns. Now, Deculus, 6'5", 321. Um, you know, a guy who is physical in the running game. I think what he does is he latches on and is able to drive his man down the field. Not overly athletic. A guy who I think uh, struggles with speed there on the outside. So I, I, that's why I think there is a chance that he could kick inside to guard. But again, these guys offer some positional versatility. And with Cleveland... Jack Conklin, his health is obviously a concern. They do have James Hudson, who they drafted uh, in last year's draft as a, as a guy who could come in and potentially fill that void. Um, if Conklin does go down to injury, you've got Petonio and Wyatt Teller, uh, but you could use some depth there as well. So you have, uh, this gives some flexibility there with, with Deculus potentially being a tackle or a guard, could fill in uh, 
as a, as a depth piece for sure. And then finally there at the tackle position, I'm looking at Zach Thomas out of San Diego State, 6'5", 308, uh, a guy who's uh, moves pretty well. Um, when he showed up at the combine, I thought that uh, you know he moved a lot better than than I was expecting. He ran a four nine six forty at the combine, and, and what I'm looking at with him is is the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, I, I think with the Eagles, th- they'll probably address the offensive line in some capacity in this draft. They do have Jordan Mailata. They have Lane Lane Johnson. Andre Dillard to this point has kind of been a disappointment. So. What I look at is, is this is going to be a, a guy who could come in and potentially challenge Andre Dillard for a spot there at tackle. I, I think he has some of that versatility to potentially kick inside to guard. Again, just depth pieces. You know, if you're looking at Landon Dickerson as eventually being that uh, that guy that's going to take over for Jason Kelsey, um, then you're ultimately going to need another guard. You know, there's Nate Herbig and Jack Driscoll on the roster that could potentially uh, play opposite Isaac Somalo. But, uh, you know, Zach, Zach Thomas might end up being a guy that could kick inside the guard and could be a, one of those sneaky guys at, at the end of the draft that ends up sticking with, a, with an NFL franchise. So if you're scoring at home, that's 20 tackles. Uh, you know, I've got four tackles coming off the board in, in rounds one, four, and six. Uh, and I just have the one tackle that comes off in, in round number five. Uh, but the four tackles in round number one, that's in line with what we saw in 2019 and again last year. Uh, and then I mentioned the guards, uh, you know, the guys that kicked inside. We've got seven of those. I'll be mentioning those guys as we go along. Um, and with that, that's kind of a nice segue. We're actually going to move inside to that interior line position and talk about the offensive guards. And, uh, you know, I, I think what's interesting with the guard position is. Uh, the last time we saw two offensive guards come off the board in round number one was 2018. Uh, so a couple of years ago when, when that uh, that happened, obviously, but that was when we saw Quentin Nelson and Isaiah Wynn. Look, Isaiah Wynn ultimately kicked out to tackle, but I, I think at the time with the draft, uh, there was a lot of conversation where he might be a guard. Um, so that's kind of why he was positioned there. Uh, so technically, there was only one ta- one guard that was actually taken in, in 2018. But I think we are going to see two guards taken in round number one. I, I think you can almost check that off and take it to the bank. Um, you know, the first guy that we have to look at is Zion Johnson out of BC. Uh, this guy is just a tremendous, tremendous athlete and a guy who I, I think isn't going to get past uh, you know, Dallas at, at 25. I think Arizona at 23. Protecting Kyler Murray, I think that makes a lot of sense. I could see Pittsburgh potentially, if they decide they don't want to go with the quarterback in round one, possibly going after an offensive guard. Heck, even Green Bay, uh, now that Lucas Patrick is... is uh, not on the roster, they could potentially look at a, at a guard as well, um, especially if they're happy with Elshon Jenkins moving outside a tackle. Um, I think Dallas is also a, a, a prime landing spot for Johnson. 6'3", 312 pounds. This is a guy who's actually started his career at Davidson and ultimately made a transfer to BC, started at left guard in 2020, kicked outside to left tackle in 2021. Look, at the Senior Bowl, they also took advantage of this kid's intelligence and high football IQ, moved him inside to the center position where he also excelled. The five-position versatility, you know, if I look at Dallas, you know, what, what you have there is I think he could instantly come in and play guard and be an upgrade over Connor McGovern, um, especially now that, that uh, Connor Williams is gone. Um, could he kick outside to tackle in the event that, that Terrence Steele struggles now that Lael Collins is gone? Sure. And then Tyler Biotis, you need to get more out of him at the center position. I think 
really the, the home for Zion Johnson is going to end up being at that center spot. Um, so Dallas would get a guy who has that ability to play multiple positions. And I think with Dallas's line, some of that uncertainty and some of the health of those guys up front, I think it makes a lot of sense for Dallas to end up wrapping up uh, Zion Johnson there at number 24 overall. Uh, Kenyon Green is the other guy. So if you're talking about Zion Johnson and the athleticism and that versatility there, Kenyon Green is another interesting study because he's 6'4", 323 pounds. You look at him and especially at the combine, you saw the lower half. He wasn't as athletic as Zion Johnson. Um, you know, so when you're talking about and you're comparing some of those numbers, um, Zion Johnson runs a 5.1840, put up 32 reps at 225. Um, and uh, a 32-inch vertical leap, so you saw that lower body explosiveness as well. Uh, but Kenyon Green, uh, what was interesting about him, 5'2", 440. Look, he also had that the, the 20 reps at, at 225 with 34 and 8-inch arms. He has those 10 and 3-8-inch hands, so he locks on to you. And the thing with him is Zion Johnson is going to be more of that athletics guard, a guy that's going to be able to move laterally for you, but Kenyon Green is going to want to maul you. He's going to want to drive you down, down the field, and ultimately plant you into the ground. That physicality is one of those things that's so much fun to watch, but he also kicked outside to tackle for a time there with, with the Aggies. Um, obviously, they, they lost some of those guys up front to the draft a season ago, so you look at, at Kenyon Green out there at tackle, and I thought you know, there, there was some good tape on him showing some of that lateral agility you know, much cleaner than I, I think I was expecting to see at times uh, for AM. And really when I'm talking about Kenyon Green, I look at him and he'll be a week one starter wherever he goes. I think Dallas could very well be a landing spot for him. Kick inside, you know, to that guard spot. Um, I think Tampa is another interesting pick here. Yeah, number 27 overall. They don't have Ali Marpet. He retired. Alex Cap is also gone. I know that they traded for, for Shaq Mason, but look, Aaron Stinney is not going to be the answer at that other guard spot. I think if Kenyon Green comes in there uh, and you ultimately, if he can play that right guard spot, I know Shaq, Shaq Mason may end up playing that, but man, can you just imagine having Tristan Wirfs and Kenyon Green on the same side of that line? You know, Leonard Fournette would love to be running off the right side of that line. Uh, you know, play after play. So I think that would make things really interesting there for Tampa uh, you know, with Kenyon Green in the fold. So then I look at, at round number two, and these are two guys that were offensive tackles in college, but I think they're going to both kick inside to guard. And, and it's one of those things, when I look at the tackles position, there are a lot of guys that you just look at them and they just look like guards. And Sean Ryan is one of those guys. Uh, 6'5", 321 pounds, a guy who, another another dude who has just these enormous hands. And at the combine, they measured the hands out at, at 11 and an eighth inch uh, hands. And man, when he gets those meat hooks on you and he locks on, he's not letting go. I think he struggled a little bit, you know, at times with some speed. But if he got his hands on you, the play was over. And really, what I'd love to see is kick him inside to guard. He could be has that Pro Bowl caliber uh, guard potential. Shorter arms, I think that's another reason why you know he's likely to kick inside 32 and 3 8 inch arms. Um, and so when I look at him and that fit in round number two, um, I, I don't see him moving past round two. I'm looking at Green Bay there at number 53 overall. And yes, they, they could use a, a tackle as well. Um, but when I look at Green Bay, uh, you know, with, with Jenkins potentially playing that right tackle spot, you could bring in. 
uh, bring in Sean Ryan, handle that guard spot, and be able to really solidify that entire offensive line. Uh, because then you'd have Bakhtiari and you'd have Jenkins at the tackle spots, and then you bring it, bring in Ryan. You have him and uh, and John Runyon, Josh Myers at the center position. You're getting much closer uh, to having that offensive line really hold up there for Aaron Rodgers. And then Darian Kennard is another guy that I think is going to get drafted in round number two. Uh, Kennard out of Kentucky played right tackle for them. He reminds me a lot of Cody Ford. The body type just you know is very similar. 6'5", 322 pounds. Another guy that likes to get physical for you. And uh, I mentioned Arizona earlier and wanting to protect uh, Kyler Murray. In my mock draft I have George Karloftis ultimately going to them there at number 23 because look, you know, I, I think they need to ultimately replace Chandler Jones and if you can somehow find a way to get George Karloftis that'd be a, a huge win for Arizona and then in round two because you've got Justin Pugh and that's about it at the guard spot especially now that the Max Garcia is gone you could end up getting a guy like Darian Kennard in there can be physical there at the point of attack you got DJ Humphreys, Calvin Beecham at, at the tackle spots. I think that really helps solidify the group a little bit more. Um, so I really like Darian Kennard to Arizona. In round three, Jamari Sawyer. This is a guy who I think could also come off the board in round number two. I just kind of ran out of spaces for him. And ultimately, I'm looking at round number three as kind of the, the spot for Sawyer. 6'3", 321, a guy who also played the tackle spot and... Man, you watched him against some of the top talent, whether it was Will Anderson or Aiden Hutchinson. It didn't matter who it was. He had he put on a lot of really good tape. Um, you know, another guy who you know he locks out those arms, moves really well laterally. That's one of the things that I thought was impressive. Even on some of those inside moves by by Will Anderson, you saw him uh, be able to showcase those those power steps and be able to wall that off ground game as well very physical at the point of attack um, and a guy that was able to drive his man down the field really get a lot of movement um, with that leg drive Sawyer uh, 6'3 321 uh, you know hand, the arm length isn't the, the longest by any means 33 and 5 8 inches but he did put up 225 31 times so definitely has some power to him for sure and uh, you know if Philly decides they want to get another guard then I think Jamari Sawyer could absolutely be one of those guys um, to, to end up filling in one of those spots. Um, you know, I think uh, you know a lot of the other teams that I've mentioned earlier. And how about the the Los Angeles Chargers? If you want to protect your investment, Justin Herbert, we know he's a, a star in the making there. You've got Matt Filer there at, at guard, but I think you need another physical presence there along that line. So ultimately, if you think about it, if you're able to get a tackle. Um, at some point in the draft, you end up getting Trevor Penning. That'd be nice. But then you also get Jamari Sawyer, you know, a guy who could potentially play tackle, but is likely going to be uh, have his home there at that guard spot. Um, I, I think that would make a lot of sense for the Chargers as well. Chargers don't have a second-round pick, so they'd be coming off the board there in round number three at number 79 overall. So if they don't go Nicholas Petit-Ferrer, then I think Jamari Sawyer could absolutely be one of those guys that they're going to be taking there as well. Um, so just the one guard taken in round number three. In round number four, I have two guys coming off the board. Um, and, and the first is is Joseph Ezeudu. Um, and so when I look at him in round number four, uh, I've got him coming off the board, 127 overall to the Patriots, 6'4", 308, you know, a guy who, who could be a physical presence on the, the interior of that line. And, uh, you know, Eze Udu, 
you know, at, at the combine, ran a 51940. Uh, a guy who showed up there at 308, um, and I believe that his playing weight was right around 323. So, a guy that really worked on on getting in shape, showed off much more you know athleticism than I think people were expecting. And I mentioned the Patriots, and I think New England does need to get another guard. You know, they've got Michael Owenu that we know uh, that they're going to be happy with there, but then you've got Shaq Mason who's gone. James Ferentz right now is slated to potentially be a starter there. I think you're going to need to get an upgrade at that guard spot. And uh, Eze Udu, again, the, the athleticism, he's one of those underrated guys, much like Omwenu was. And so I, I think this would be good value there in round number four. One other guy that I do have coming off the board in round four is Ed Ingram. 6'2", I'm sorry, 6'3", 307 there for LSU. Ran a 5.02.40 at the Combine, which you know was pretty impressive. There were some off-field issues there for him, but this guy is a mauler and a bowling ball. You get him out there, once he's pulling, you know, watch out because Ed Ingram is looking to uh, take you out while he's on the move. I think some of that spatial awareness really comes into play, being able to uh, you know, stay under control and light some guys up. And I'm looking at the Buffalo Bills there at number 130 overall, and uh, I think Ed, Ed Ingram could easily come off the board in round two, but I think some of those off-field issues gives me a little bit of pause, which is why I had him fall into round number four. But I'm looking at, you know, obviously they've got Roger Saffold uh, in, in the mix there. You know, there's Ike Barker and, and uh, uh, Ryan Bates, Cody Ford. But I think the physicality that Ed Ingram brings, um, you know, it'd be un undeniable, you know, if you've got Spencer Brown and Ed Ingram on that right side. I think that'd be really a lot of fun to watch. So two guards in round number four. Round five is really where I've got the sweet spot. I've got five guards coming off the board there. Also five in round number six. The first guard that I've got taken in round number five is Thayer Munford. And I'll tell you, Thayer Munford for me was not much of a, a factor at that tackle spot. I thought that he was just so slow. Um, I, I thought the pad level will, will creep up on him. Uh, because he is 6'6 and 328 pounds. Um, there's footage of him, uh, the poor footwork off the snap, and Aiden Hutchinson just running him over en route to the quarterback. Um, but Mumford kicking inside to guard, that's really his home. I thought that's really, he played at his best uh, when he was alongside Nicholas Petit Ferrer inside, and I think that's ultimately going to be his home. And look, the Bears, I mentioned that they're going to need to be addressing that line uh, and just getting additional depth pieces there. At 148 overall, I think the Bears will get a guy. Look, he has some tackle experience. I wouldn't put him out there, but I think at guard, it makes a lot of sense. I think he could end up being, you know, he has that starting caliber uh, be a starting caliber guard at the next level. 35 and an eight inch arms as well. So he's got you know really long arms um, that I think will bode well for himself along the interior of that line. And then uh, keeping there in round number five, I've got Spencer Burford. And one of the things that I love about this dude, 6'4", 304 uh, out of UTSA is, you know, he's He's, he's such a gamer. This is a guy who's, you know, he's tough. He's physical. Um, I, I think he's very light on his feet as well. And could he play tackle? I think there is a chance that he could play tackle at the next level. But I think ultimately his his home is going to be inside a guard. I think he has the ability to start at that guard spot. And, um, man, UTSA potentially having multiple draft picks in this draft. And with Spencer Burford, the home that I have for him is Vegas. And, and here's why. The, the, the Vegas Raiders, they, they've got Colton Miller at tackle. 
I think they need to address that right tackle spot, and Spencer Burford has a chance to to challenge Brandon Parker if they wanted to. You also have Alex Leatherwood, who I think could potentially kick outside to tackle. Then you've got John Simpson, Denzel Good. Uh, you know, you need to get another guard in there. So I think if ultimately Alex Leatherwood is going to be playing that right tackle spot opposite Col Colton Miller, then you've got John Simpson, Denzel Good, and you bring in uh, you know, so a, a guy with that 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 versatility with, with Spencer Burford. I think Burford could end up starting there for the Raiders before it's all said and done. Uh, Marquise Hayes out of Oklahoma, another guy that I think could potentially come off the board earlier, possibly in round number three, round number four. But I think Marquise Hayes, 6'5", 318 pounds, very physical at the point of attack. They ran a lot of those counter plays where he gets out and pulls and was so good at identifying guys that he needed to block while he was on the move, stayed under control, lights this guy up, opens up a hole for uh, for Kennedy Brooks, and, and Kennedy Brooks was able to make those cuts off of his blocks. And uh, I keep putting Philly down, but I'm looking at Philly and I'm looking at some of those guards, and uh, I, I think Philly could absolutely bring him in and potentially be the, a guard piece. I'm looking at uh, you know the Packers as a potential landing spot. I think that could potentially make some sense. Um, e even Tampa Bay, uh, if they don't go with the guard earlier, then I think Tampa Bay could potentially use him. And then how about the Rams? You know the Rams are you know, they've got David Edwards, they've got Bobby Evans, uh, Joseph Noboom at tackle, uh, and Rob Havenstein. So Edwards and Evans, the converted tackles, uh, really playing along the interior of that line. But I think they need to get some help along the interior, and, and I think. Marquise Hayes brings some some physicality there. I think if they're going to run any of those zone schemes, uh, then Marquise Hayes would absolutely be a guy that they'd want to look for there. Um, staying in round five, uh, Cade Mays out of Tennessee, 6'5", 311 pounds, uh, was a standout there at Georgia, transferred to Tennessee, um, you know, and he's kind of had this up and down career. Um, but I, I think the, the New York Giants at 173 could absolutely utilize some depth at that position. And uh, I think Cade Mays would be a guy that would come in and offer, if nothing else, uh, some depth uh, at guard. He has a little bit of versatility, could kick outside to tackle as well. Um, and then you've got um, Luke Gadecki there out of uh, Central Michigan. So you're talking about two tackles at Central Michigan, but I think Gadecki could potentially kick inside to guard. Um, 6'5", 312 pounds. And I'm looking at the Rams at 175. If they don't end up going um, with some of these other options, possibly that Marquise Hayes, I've got Hayes already off the board by the time the Rams are drafting at 175. And I think Luke Gadecki could be a guy that comes in, be that... Um, Backup for Rob Havenstein at right tackle, and then also potentially man one of those guard spots, uh, challenge David Edwards and Bobby Evans uh, for one of the starting spots there, especially now that Austin Corbett has moved on. So that would make some sense for me. Um, sixth round, Chris Paul out of Tulsa. This is a guy who, you know, he played tackle, you know, can play inside there at guard at the next level, though. Um, very athletic, you know, 6'4", 323 pounds, um, and showed off some impressive speed at the combine. Ran that 4'8", 940. I love the athleticism. I love the movement skills, and I have him going to the Chargers in my mock draft. And again, we've already talked about the interior of that line. So they don't address it. Again, if they go tackle like I was mentioning with Nicholas Petit Ferrer, then I think at round six, the Chargers could potentially get Chris Paul. They could even look at getting Chris Paul earlier 
because I think Paul could be uh, could be a third or fourth round pick when it's all said and done. Uh, but at 195 overall, that'd be great value for the Chargers. I think if he's still on the board there, they have to jump at the chance to get him. Uh, Justin Schaefer. There for, for Georgia, a kid who played alongside Jamari Sawyer, 6'4", 314, very physical at the point of attack. Uh, Baltimore Ravens sitting there at 196 overall. Um, the Ravens, they've got you know Tyree Phillips, they've got Kevin Zeitler, Ben Cleveland, Ben Powers. Um, adding additional depth pieces there up front, um, you know, I, I think that would make some sense. And you know, in round number six, you're getting a guy, again, who's going to be very physical at the point of attack. Justin Schaefer comes off the board there. Three guards in a row. Why not? Jacksonville Jaguars of 197 overall, taking Lasita Smith, 6'3", 314 pounds. This is a guy, look, he was a, a starter there for for Virginia Tech for a lot of years. Uh, pretty easy mover along the inside. He's just got these really short arms, 31 and 7 inch arms. Some people have him coming off the board as early as round number three. I think you know the, the lack of overall length for him is something that's going to be a little bit of a concern. Um, he is on kind of the shorter side. He, he's 6'3", uh, but those short arms I think is going to be uh, a bit of a concern. So I think he does slip a little bit in the draft. And I've got him coming off the board Again, 197 overall to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think the Jaguars are going to continue to find some uh, additional pieces up front. They've got Brandon Sheriff at guard. Uh, you know, Ben Barch right now is set to be the uh, the starter there, uh, opposite him. But I, I think that they need to continue to address that line and bring in some depth pieces, some guys that can challenge Barge for that other starting spot. I think they're also going to end up needing to get a center as well, which we'll talk about in a little bit, especially now that Brandon Linder's retired. Um, so Jacksonville addressing the line there in round number six. Um, again, and they could potentially address the interior of that line even sooner than that. Uh, Tyrese Robinson out of Oklahoma. Now Tyrese played right tackle for the Sooners, but I think his his home really is going to be a guard. He's 6'3", 317 pounds, you know, a little bit undersized for that tackle position, uh, but a guy who moves pretty well in space. Ran that 5'2", 540 at the combine. Not overly explosive of an athlete, so again, that's why I think he moves inside to guard. And uh, the Denver Broncos. Uh, I, I think are a team that is going to continue to find, find some depth pieces. They've got Dalton Reisner, Graham Glasgow, Natani Mute, and uh, Ben Braden there at the guard spot right now. I think they get another guy in Tyrese Robinson who has some of those those physical skills that will put him in at that guard position there for the Broncos in round number six. And then how about Tyree Carter? Again, another tackle that I think would kick inside to guard. 6'3", 311, out of Southern. The Rams... Number 211 overall. So I, I had mentioned that uh, Tyrese Robinson at 206 to Denver. Then at, at 211, the Rams, uh, one of those compensatory picks. And I think the Rams are going to double up on that interior, that line. I think they just need to continue to address uh, that position. David Edwards, Bobby Evans. Um, I, I think they're, they're, that interior of that line struggled at times. And so I think continuing to add some of those pieces. And look, you know, with, with Carter, another guy who's, who's very athletic at that position, ran a 5'1", 340 at the combine, that 30-inch vertical leap. 
three-cone drill under eight seconds at a 7.84. Has some athleticism to him. Uh, moved really well um, in some of the All-Star games. So I, I think Tyree Carter, round number six, you know, there is some really good value there. He could be a guy that creeps into the fourth, fifth round range, but I think would be really good value there in round number six. And then I have one final guard coming off the board in round number seven, and that's Marcus McKeithen out of North Carolina. Look, both North North Carolina tackles getting drafted 6'6", 340, really a huge dude uh, there along the interior of that line. And a guy that I thought you know did a really good job blocking for Sam Howell along the interior of that line. And with McKeithen, um, I'm looking at Washington. I think they need to continue to address the interior of that line. They've got Andrew Norwell to replace Brandon Sheriff. They've got uh, Wes Schweitzer there at guard as well. But I think they need to continue to address um, and get some additional pieces there along the interior. So Marcus McKeithen will be one of those guys who could provide some of that depth at offensive guard. So scoring at home, that's a total of 18 guards that I mentioned. If you take away those seven tackles that are converted to guard, uh, Sean Ryan, Darian Kennard, Jamari Sawyer, Spencer Burford, Luke Gadecki, Tyrese Robinson, and Jatiri Carter, then that brings the total down to 11. And 11 guards, that's actually one more than what we saw in the 2021 draft where we saw Elijah Vera Tucker taken number 14 overall. I don't think we're going to be seeing a, a guard come off the board quite that early, but I think, we again, we are going to see a couple of guards taken in round number one, which then takes us to the pivot, the center position. And, and this is a, a position that's really interesting because you look at it, in, in 2018, we actually had two, two centers taken in round number one, and that was Frank Ragnow and Billy Price. Frank Ragnow really panned out there at number 20 overall for the Lions. Billy Price has struggled, bounced around in the league a little bit. Uh, you know, you had Garrett Bradbury come off the board, uh, number 18 overall to the Vikings in 2019. And uh, Cesar Ruiz uh, to the Saints in 2020 uh, was a 24th overall pick. And then you look at the draft class a season ago, and I think you were expecting at least one of the top three centers, whether it was Landon Dickerson, Josh Myers, or Creed Humphrey to come off the board in round one, but none of them did. I actually was expecting Creed Humphrey to potentially come off the board in round one, and he ended up being number three in terms of those centers coming off the board, number 63 overall. But the Chiefs have really found a gem in that Oklahoma Sooner. And so I, I think let's not overthink it at this center spot. Tyler Linderbaum is one of the best prospects at that center spot to come along in, in some time. Um, you know, and the, the reigning Remington Trophy Award winner, you, you look at him and you see a guy who's very polished. Uh, you know, the he's a wrestler, and that wrestling background he really uses to his advantage. You know, I think that's one of the things that you definitely see. Uh, understanding leverage and core strength, and he brings that to that center position. Tremendous job maintaining control to keep that hole open. Always does a great job. Seemingly staying on top of that block. Uh, you know, hands are so quick off the ball. Easily get wins after the snap. Ridiculously accurate, accurate with those those hands that punch to the chest plate plus the hands and feet always work in unison to sustain that block uh, but he's best on the move that's why I think he really fits best in a, a zone heavy scheme because he can showcase that that fluidity and his ability to climb to the second level locates those targets breaks down in space picks off his man on the move and then the understanding of angles is so top-notch as well uh, but that said you know the, the lack of ideal length 
in, in size because he, he is under 300 pounds. He measured in at 6'2", 296, and those arms under 32 inches, um, which has to be a bit of a concern, 31 and 1 8 inches. That's one of the things that's really concerning um, with him. But you know, when you look at him, you know, the 10-yard split really jumps out to you. Uh, you know, his shuttle time is also – so he's very athletic. But you put him into a gap scheme – and I, I think that's where he could potentially struggle. You're not getting the most out of him uh, as you would if you were in a zone-heavy scheme. So a lot of people are expecting uh, Baltimore at number 14 to take him, but I just don't see him being the best fit there for Baltimore. I think Baltimore could end up getting a center later on in the draft. They can address other needs there at number 14 overall. I'm actually looking at Cincinnati at number 31. I think that would make a lot of sense with uh, with Linderbaum. I think he might fall again because of that lack of length. But look, Linderbaum, this dude's a really good athlete. Play the sh- you know he, he threw the shot in the disc uh, in track in high school. Played baseball, football, and wrestled. 595 pound squad as well. Um, so you, you know that you're getting a guy who played multiple sports. I think that's really to his advantage. You see a lot of guys excelling at the next level, being able to take a lot of the uh, you know hand-eye coordination from baseball to the understanding of leverage and core strength there from wrestling. Being able to put all of that package together um, on the football field, and so when I look at Cincinnati and uh, and Linderbaum, I, I think we we know that Joe Burrow needs to be protected. This guy just spent too much time on the ground. You know, he's just a couple of years removed from from tearing that knee up. And uh, I think you you look at Trey Hopkins, you look at Trey Hill, I think that Linderbaum would be an upgrade over both of those guys. And then if you think about that offensive line, uh, where it was to where it could be, Jonah Williams, Lyle Collins at tackle, Ted Karras, Alex Kappa at guard, and then Tyler Linderbaum there at the pivot. You know, I, I think that's going to be a huge win for Cincinnati when it's all said and done. So centers, round number two, I do have one center coming off the board, and that's Cam Juergens, uh, you know, an athletic, athletic center there for uh, Nebraska. Played tight end. It was a 245-pound tight end and bulked up. This dude was a three-time state champion in the shot put. Uh, 723-pound squat. I mean, that's absolutely ridiculous. They said that he also has a th- uh, 34.5-inch vertical leap. Uh, ran a 4.9240 at the combine. Threw up 225, 25 times. Um, 6'3", 303. And I'm looking at San Francisco. San Francisco needs to think about the future. You've got Alex Mack at the center position. Mack isn't going to be around forever. He's starting to get a little long in the tooth. So I think you end up playing for the future there with uh, Cam Jurgens, a guy that could step in, learn from, from Alex Mack, and then be able to take over that starting spot. San Francisco at 61 overall. I think you could do worse than, uh, than getting Cam Jurgens there overall uh, in round number two. Round number three, a couple of guys that at one point I actually had in round number two, um, and I think ultimately best value will be in round three. I'm looking at Dylan Parham out of Memphis, 6'3", 311, uh, number 65 overall to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And Parham is a guy, I think he's athletic, uh, ran a 4'9", 340 at the Combine. Um, Big hands, a guy that's just going to latch on to you and and not let go. Pretty good lower body explosiveness as well. Versatile, uh, can play both the guard and the center position. And I look at Jacksonville, 
look, we, we just mentioned that Brandon Linder retired. They're going to need another center. I don't think that Tyler Shatley is going to ultimately be that long-term answer. So I think Dylan Parham is absolutely going to be that guy. And then Cole Strange out of Chattanooga, another guy who I thought um, really set himself apart. Ran a 505-40, 31 reps at the bench press. Um, very athletic, a guy that play, can play center, he can play guard. Um, showcased that at the Senior Bowl, a guy that I thought moved really well in a lot of the drills. Held, held up very well in the positional battles as well. Uh, and so Cole Strange, I had him at one point going to, to Philly. I had him going to the Rams. I had him going all over the place. Um, and then ultimately, I wound up settling with, uh, with Cole Strange coming off the board, uh, number 76 overall, to the Baltimore Ravens. So I, I think with Cole Strange, he can be that guy that can come in there and ultimately replace Bradley Bozeman. And if you need him to fill in at guard in a pinch, you can absolutely do that. But I think you get your center in round number three. Baltimore can address other positions, whether it's uh, an edge rusher, a corner, um, even you know, that defensive tackle position in the first couple of rounds. Then get your center there in round number three. I think it's really good value to get Cole Strange there. Round number four, I've got three centers coming off the board. Uh, Donovan West, Luke Fortner, Zach Tom. Donovan West, absolutely an athletic Athletic center, 6'3", 296. They're at, at Arizona State, a guy that plays very well in space. And so when I look at him in round number five, I uh, had to think about what would be the best fit for him. And I'm thinking if Landon Dickerson's true home is going to be a guard, then Philly looking to find a replacement for Jason Kelsey down the road. I think Donovan West uh, would be a nice selection for them in round number four at 124 overall. And then I'm looking at Miami there at 125. Luke Fortner out of Kentucky, 6'5", 307. Another intelligent, intelligent player there for uh, the Kentucky Wildcats. Um, ran a 5'2", at the Combine. You know, another guy who has big old mitts. That, that He does a really good job latching on. Um, you know, I think he, he's physical in the running game. Does a decent job uh, anchoring there in pass protection as well. And with Miami, when you look at them up front... Um, they, they've got Michael Dieter there at the center position, but I think adding a depth piece there and a guy that could potentially challenge for a starting spot, I think Luke Fortner could end up potentially being a starter at the uh, at the next level um, for, for many, many years. So I think that'd be a nice pickup for them. And then Zach Tom is, is another guy that I think is really intriguing and a guy that can play multiple positions. 6'4", 304. Uh, at one point, I had him going to the 49ers. Also had him going to, to the Eagles. Uh, I think a lot of teams are going to be interested in his services. And ultimately, I, I settled on Green Bay. Uh, they're at 140 overall. Green Bay has a lot of a lot of picks, and I don't think Green Bay is going to be using all of those. I think there are going to be some trades being made. When I look at, at their offensive line and some of the versatility, I know Elshon Jenkins can play guard and center, but he's also played tackle. Um, you know, you look at Josh Myers. I think he's really solidifying that that center spot. But I think what you have with Zach Tom is a guy that he could play tackle. He, you know, he did so at, with the Demon Deacons. He could potentially be their right tackle, a guy that could fill in even on the left side if that David Bakhtiari goes down to injury once again. Uh, a guy that I think could kick inside to guard if need be, if Jenkins ends up taking over that tackle spot. Um, then 
you could potentially put in Zach Tom to challenge Royce Newman and, and John Runyon for a starting spot there along the interior of that line. And uh, could even fill in for Josh Myers in a pinch if, if you needed the pivot there as well. Um, so I think Zach Tom, a, a guy that there are multiple teams that would be interested in his services. Um, fourth round feels about right for him. Could potentially rise into round number three. But I, I just I think he's an athletic guy. I think he's a, he's a real easy mover. And a guy that uh, is going to be a starter at the next level. Look, ran a 4.9440 at the combine, 33-inch vertical leap as well. So he's got the lower body explosiveness. Ran a 7.223 cone drill. So again, speaks to the the athleticism and the lateral agility. I think he's one of the more underrated guys. We're talking about him as a center. He has the, the 33 and, and, and a quarter inch arm, so he's not doesn't have quite the length to be that tackle. But I wouldn't rule out him at, at that tackle position. Uh, round four feels like a you know feels like a right spot for him. And then I don't have anybody else coming off the board until round number seven, and that's Dawson Deaton out of te- uh, Texas Tech, a veteran there, a guy that could be physical at the point of attack, uh, you know, for the the Red Raiders. And uh, you know, I've got Deaton coming off the board um, at 253 overall to the Rams. And when you look at the Rams, obviously I know that they re-signed Brian Allen, and we had talked at one point, I, I think you know, the last couple of years about them potentially getting an upgrade over Allen. He's actually stepped up his game, but I think you still need to have a guy there that that could uh, push for playing time, and if nothing else, be a nice. Uh, depth piece behind him and uh, I think Dawson Deaton is going to give you a guy that's going to provide some physicality up front. So we've taken you through the tackles, the guards, and the centers. We've taken a look at the entire offensive line and so that puts to rest all the offensive positions to this point. We're then going to turn over to the defensive side of the football. Again, six podcasts in six days. Tomorrow, we're going to look at the edge rushers and the defensive tackles. There's going to be a lot to cover. There's more than just Aiden Hutchinson and Trayvon Walker and Kayvon Thibodeau and Jermaine Johnson and George Karloff. There's more to talk about at that edge rush position. A lot of guys to get excited about. Um, you know, I could see you know, three or four other guys sneaking into round number one behind that group, um, which is really crazy. And then at that defensive tackle spot, I think it's not a a huge class, not a very deep class. Um, I I think obviously Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt are the two guys that everyone's talking about. But I look at guys like Perrion Winfrey and Travis Jones as guys that uh, are going to be sneaky good there on day number two. Um, so stay tuned. We'll be talking about those guys. Then we'll get into the linebackers. We'll talk with everyone from talk about everyone from Devin Lloyd to Nicobe Dean. Uh, you know, and there's a lot to like there at that linebacker spot as well. And then we'll get into the defensive backs. Are you team Sauce Gardner or team Derek Stingley? What do we think about Kyle Hamilton and where he's going to come off the board? We'll even talk about the specialists. I think there's a debate there with, you know, is Matt Ariza the, the top punter or is it Jordan Stout out of Penn State? Uh, could it even be Jake Camarda? I think all three of those guys have the potential to be drafted. Is there going to be a kicker drafted as well? Yeah, probably. I think Cameron Dicker could potentially get drafted there at Texas. So a lot to cover over the next couple of days. And then we'll talk about the final mock draft. We get into things, and I just need to be smart about it. You know, I, I think in the in the past I've second-guessed myself when we talk about the draft and uh, my mock, and 
I think at the end of the day, a lot of people, there's a lot of talk about quarterbacks being taken in round number one in the top 10. And uh, I just don't see the talent at that, that, uh, that quarterback spot to say, yeah, we're going to go with the quarterback in the top 10. I think really what you're talking about is getting into the middle of round number one. That's where you're going to start seeing a couple of quarterbacks come off the board. There's just so many question marks. And if these guys would not even be in, mentioned in the top five, of the, the 2021 class, why will we be talking about these guys in the top 10? It just makes no sense to me. So I think ultimately we get into the middle of round number one, push those quarterbacks down. That's ultimately what's going to end up happening in my final mock draft. Stay tuned for that. But hey, it's my favorite time of year. It's draft season. The draft right around the corner. I can't wait. Stay tuned, everyone. Hope you've enjoyed the content. We've got more to come. For readyforthedraft.com, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Shoots. Take care, everyone. Tune in again tomorrow. And until then, I am out of here.